How can we be of use to God when we feel weak, when we feel like we're messed up, when we feel unspiritual? Can we even be of use to God in those spaces? Well, I think the key to answering that question is a right understanding of who we are. And even in asking that question, it betrays one of the biggest lies um, that we live into, which is that it's us that does the things, that God working necessitates anything from us. And the truth is, God doesn't need us to do any of the things that he does. But in his graciousness, he invites us into the work that he's doing. You know, even in recording this right now, I'm feeling in a bit of a funk, but uh, I've seen God work in this very idea of God doing something spiritual when we feel unspiritual. Now, I was working at the recording for this and starting to think through what would this intro be. I tried to think of stories where I felt unspiritual and then God worked. And I couldn't immediately think of one, but I felt a nudge to take a look at this list I have on my phone of kingdom moments. That's going back to episode two. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's the place to listen to learn what a kingdom moment is. And so I just start scrolling through and I find one from February 25th, which was the day after I made the decision to forego a normal vocational life, take some good, well-paying jobs off the table to jump into a life of ministry where money was not guaranteed, but God's presence was. And I'd hoped that the day after would be an exciting one full of joy and full of God's provision and blessings because I had taken this step of obedience. And it was a it was a hard day in a lot of ways. The enemy woke me up with a nightmare that God protected me by making me forget it. But what I could remember is that it hit on a bunch of insecurities and a number of moments throughout the day, fears tried to slip in. But then there was this really good moment at the end of the day uh, where I received an email from a friend of mine uh, who has been encouraging me and praying for me all through the process and whom I had been emailing. And uh, she had sent me an email that ended up helping me to see that everything that I was going through, the decision I made, um, was worth it, if even for what God did in that interaction. And so I just want to read parts of the email. Uh, So this was in response to me sending an email saying, hey, I've taken the leap. I'm jumping towards missions. And she says, "Uh, this is so incredibly encouraging and astounds me. I seriously am spurred on to desire faith so deep and trusting is what I've read has been unfolding these last few months. Thanks for letting me pray with you and for you in this. Uh, And she goes on to say that um, through my transparency and openness um, that God's used that to reveal more of him to her, um, that he's used that to show uh, his faithfulness to her and to encourage her. And and so I received this at just the right time because I was feeling off. I was feeling unspiritual. Even though I had done this, I had taken this step of obedience, um, I felt like, what am I even doing? Am I even doing anything? And God in his goodness led my friend to send an email at just the right time, revealing all of what he had done through my months of soul searching and 
stepping in faith, but questioning things, wondering if I was making any difference. And so I actually, as I was looking at that, I felt encouraged to um, let her know I had been praying for her lately. She works at Virginia Beach. And if you've been watching the news or if you listen to uh, one of the recent episodes, um, there was a shooting in Virginia Beach at the end of May. And in the office where she's at, there's just still a lot of hurt, a lot of fear. Um, and some people believe there's spiritual warfare still happening. And so I had been praying for her. And specifically, as I prayed, I felt like God was encouraging me to pray that she would recognize that the Holy Spirit is at work within her, that it's not her that does it, but it's the Holy Spirit. And so I wanted to encourage her today that that's the case. And um, I led to a really great conversation uh, through text uh, on this topic that we're hitting today, that no matter how we feel, no matter if we feel unspiritual or weak, if we are stepping in obedience, if we are willing to let God use us however he wants, the Holy Spirit can do things we know nothing about. The Holy Spirit can do things we have no power to control or even to imagine. That through us, God can work even in our weakest moments because he doesn't need us to be smart or strong or on point. He just needs us to be obedient. And so in the continuing series of YWAM stories, we hear from Roger Hirschberger today. And Roger's been serving with YWAM for decades, and he's been all over the world. Uh, and he's been working on stepping in obedience wherever God needs him to go. And he actually shares three stories uh, today. And what was beautiful is seeing how each of these stories captures an element of this idea of the Spirit working despite what our logic says should happen. And so I want to encourage you as you listen to think of ways that you might limit God or the Spirit, ways that you might think God or the Spirit is just not going to work. And consider how today the Holy Spirit can do something that you know nothing of. You are listening to episode 24 of the Where Did You See God podcast. One of my uh, trips to Tanzania, and I'm Roger Hershberger, by the way, <laughs> uh, this would have probably taken place maybe about um, eight years ago, seven, seven years ago perhaps, and uh, we had, um, I was with a DTS, a Discipleship Training School, and uh, we had um, uh, traveled out to Maasai land called uh, Engatani. And we were out there in this school building uh, for part of our outreach. Um, one evening then, uh, a team came that we were a part of, and we were going out into what you might call the bush bush. I mean, it was, it was further out in just a very uh, open, brushy area, nothing around. And um, uh, we set up uh, to do an evening program with one little light bulb hanging off of a, a roof and um, a keyboard that was hooked up to a generator. And so we had a time of worship. What was really amazing to me is um, that as, as the night fell and the sky got darker and uh, you know we were in this time of worship, the little Maasai kids were, were dancing and the, the uh, dust, it was just so dry and dusty, it was just 
going up and almost shrouding them in dust. And for myself, I was not well. I was I was sick, and all the time I'm thinking, oh, okay, I I need to I need to have a message here tonight, and I don't feel like it. I just want to go back to my tent. I want to go lay down, and I'm just feeling very unevangelistic. And um, uh, after the time of, of worship, um, and I got up to to share, I was just really asking God for strength and just asking God for to help me through this time. Uh, the, the, the children had laid down, and most of them were basically naked other than just a little robe wrapped around them, and they laid, laid right down on the ground, and uh, uh, a lot of them fell asleep mm-hmm. you know, during the course of, of my, my speaking. But it was really amazing how God gave me a totally different message about His creation, because as we looked up in the sky, it was just a brilliant starry sky and it was at this point that the wind picked up and covered up roger's voice but he had gone on to share that he felt like god was still calling him to give a message but he felt very ill-equipped in fact he felt ill he felt tired he felt unspiritual he felt unevangelical so who was he to give the message and yet he still felt that push and in that dark bush as he looked up at the night sky at the millions and millions of stars He was inspired by this idea of creation. And so he just started sharing. Wasn't prepared. He didn't even know where it was going, but he just started sharing about who God was and what God had done. And then he felt pushed to give an invitation. And he thought maybe some of the kids would get up. But he was amazed at what happened next. Standing before me was actually the chairman of the tribe. And I didn't know it till later, but the director of the Kilimanjaro base, sorry, told me that they had been praying for uh, Olesa Munga uh, for about three years, and, and that he was just always, uh, you know, dodging the question. Had been praying for him for about three years that, that he would, you know, respond to the gospel. And um, so I, I led him, not just led him, but I led all of them, you know, in a simple prayer and of, of receiving Jesus as Savior. And I guess what I'm saying, what this story is, is uh, so impactful for me is um, we just need to be available uh, for God because um, I was not feeling like super spiritual. I was not feeling, you know, really prepared. I was not feeling like an overwhelming, you know, presence of the Holy Spirit. I was really feeling very weak and like, man, you know, I just like to leave. Um, but... I feel like it was just obedience to what God was showing me, and he did the rest. He was doing the preparing. He had done far more than what I would have expected. Um, You know, if I would have known, you know, some of this, I don't know whether it would have changed what I presented. But I found myself thinking, sometimes we are just in the right place at the right time and just available for God to use. We just have to kind of lend ourselves to uh, his use and then... He can do great things. Um, I've only seen this this individual maybe one other time since, and um, you know I still find myself praying for him that he continues to walk it out. Um, but I felt very humbled that God would allow me to be in that place to lead this man to to uh, the knowledge of, of the Lord. So yeah, I mean I guess it's just really a message of. Um, being willing to be used 
and um, even in our weakness, even when we feel weak, God can come through in great ways and accomplish building His kingdom. So that's really great. What's what I love hearing too is, um, like all you were really were aware of was that evening, and you had no idea that three years prior prayers had begun for this man, and that yeah, you yeah. were like so. It's not even about you in that sense, too. Right. Like. Other people had kind of been planting the seed and setting the stage and like exactly. obediently going to prayer. Yeah. And you were who God decided to use in that way for whatever his reasons were. In fact, I think that that's even the important thing to know, that God's at work whether we mm-hmm. see it or not, mm-hmm. you know. And, and then if we are allowed to be in that time frame in which God, you know, reaps the harvest, you know, what a privilege it is because it's not so much... It wasn't so much the power of the Spirit through me that did it. It, that it was that God had been already at work in this man's heart. And I happened to be, you know, the instrument he used at that particular time just to help him take that step forward and say yes to Jesus. So, yeah, it was very humbling. And um, it made me realize that we just have to be ready. We just have to be ready to step into it and then have an expectation that God is, is able to work in exceedingly abundantly more than what we can ask or think. So that was that was pretty cool. And the willingness to step in with our nothing. Like that's, yeah. I yeah. love that, that yeah. you shared. Because that's something I, I hear that in some of the best stories, I hear that come up of like, oh, I just wasn't feeling it. I yeah. just didn't, yeah. I didn't think. Like even in talking with Jaden earlier, there, there was a moment where they were engaging in the same way they had another time and seen God work and suddenly like yeah. God, it, it didn't happen. And like, you know, there wasn't this grand transformation. They realized that the difference between them operating in their power and them recognizing mm-hmm. that they had nothing to offer except obedience to God's power. Yeah. 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 Which is beautiful. The uh, second story. Um, and I still find myself marveling at this. Um, and here it really doesn't have so much to do with me other than being there and the witnessing it. Um, but we were, again, um, actually it was the same group, same DTS, but we were in a different location. This was not in Messiahland. It was actually up in some mountains and um, about an hour and a half from the base. And a very remote church. Um, there was didn't seem to be hardly anybody around. Um, very austere dirt floor, uh, wooden plank benches, um, no, no lights in there. You had to bring in your uh, flashlights or, you know, torches or whatever. And uh, we were camped out in tents outside of this church, and there was a, there was a pastor who would walk in uh, to this church to, I guess, um, preach on Sunday or whatever. And so we were having, we were having uh, some midweek meetings as a team but uh we were actually uh, in our campsite and our um, staff person that was basically our sponsor from the base was cooking the meal and we were had gathered around uh to eat our our evening meal the sun was going down so it was it was already beginning to get really dusk um and we just heard the um sound of people walking and it turned out to be um, groups of children 
And these children seem to be the age, uh, it's a little hard to tell, but they seem like they range probably from about maybe 6 to 12. I mean, so they were young children. And, you know, in our culture, we'd think, oh, wow, you wouldn't want your children that age just to be walking off into the brush, you know, at that hour. But here, here these children are trailing in towards the church. And, and yet the service was not scheduled to start for maybe about another 45 minutes. But soon, while we're eating, we hear the sound of a drum. They're beating on this drum. And the way they, uh, they sing, oftentimes in, in their service, is there will be kind of a lead singer who will sing something, and then everybody else chimes in. Then the leader will sing something, and then they'll chime in. Well, these were all children. There were no adults there. And they started playing this drum and singing with all their heart about a half an hour before the surface and went all the way up to the time they started. And I thought, what a phenomenal experience to, to know that this is uninitiated by any adults. The children are doing, doing it on their own. Um, entering into very full-throated worship. They knew the songs they were following. There wasn't there wasn't some children who were, you know, fighting or playing or whatever. They were all there worshiping, leading up to our service, you know. And by the time we got up there to actually have lead the service, I felt like I had already been ministered to by the Lord. It was it was their worship that seemed so amazing that I I felt almost unworthy to, to bring a message. Because it's like they already were the message. And, um, you know, I just thought, I don't know that I would have ever expected something like this to happen. Certainly not in our culture, where children would just show up and, and you know, enter into worship and, uh, you know, show up at a church and, and lead their own time of worship. It was, it was really a most phenomenal experience. I, I have never seen it since either. Mm -hmm. I mean... Uh, so yeah, that was that was that was really an amazing um, memory to know that such young children had that kind of worship on their hearts. Mm -hmm. A last story, yeah. Unless you have a comment on it. No, I, let me hear the last story, and then I'll see. I think yeah. I'm curious if the comment will. It already like I'm, I'm seeing a connecting thread. Yeah. Now this one, this is different. It's not in Africa. Um, uh, but we had been up to up into northern Pennsylvania to be with uh, some friends. They're actually YWAM friends uh, mm -hmm. from you know decades back, uh, from when we first got involved with YWAM, uh, and we'd been with them for a week at a cabin, and we were um, really returning home. So it was on a, a Sunday afternoon, and quite frankly, we were tired, and I wanted to, wanted to just get home, and if we Pressed on, we probably would have gotten back here to Richmond about six o'clock, and you know would have had an evening to settle in. But I was feeling impressed. I guess that's the only way I can say it. I was feeling impressed that we should um, give this one uh, uh, guy a call. I won't use his name. Um, give give him a call. He had been in our DTS. Dan and I, we had been in DTS together in 1987 at Rock Castle. And he was a part of that DTS. But uh, he had he had never married. Uh, he lived in the D.C. area. Um, 
uh, his mother, uh, well, his, his, his parents were divorced, and he was somewhat estranged from the rest of his family. So he tended to live kind of a lonely life. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe we could just call up, because we didn't quite know where he was. Maybe we could just call up and meet him someplace, you know, for a cup of coffee on our way back. And we did have some of our children with us and so forth. But anyway, when I get him on the phone, um, I had to actually call through his place of business to, to get his number. And when I get him on the phone, it so turns out that his exit that he was directing us to was only about five minutes ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm going around the Beltway around D.C. And, and he says, yeah, pull off and you know, take this such and such exit towards Germantown. And um, that was like only five minutes ahead. So we take the exit, we meet him um, at a Kroger parking lot just to connect and you know, see whether we wanted to go do something. And while we're talking to him, um, he gets a call from the hospital where his mother had been ill and where he had been staying with her and finds out that his mother had died. And um, what, what's amazing to me is that, you know, right there and then, we, we said, would you like to have us come with you to the, to the hospital? Um, and so we went with him to the hospital. We went into uh, her room where she was um, now, while well, the nursing staff was just pretty much, you know, getting her ready to be uh, taken out. And um, we, we gave him some time just to be alone and then also joined him for a time of prayer and just prayer for him and prayer for the family and, and uh, prayers of thanksgiving for her life and, and, and for him. And um, uh, after that point in time when, when we finished up our time of prayer, we, we did in fact go out for dinner and everything. And we didn't end up getting home till about midnight, I guess, that night. But again, the thing that was most impactive for me was there was two things. One was that uh, God spoke to me in such a way that I felt impressed to pursue through a number of different uh, uh, phone calls to actually locate him and find out where he was. Um, and that that it worked out that we could, you know, we didn't have to backtrack. You know, if we'd had to go back a half an hour, we mm-hmm. probably would say, well, maybe we can see you in the future sometime. But it was right ahead. We jumped off. We saw him. We were there when he received the call that his mother had died. But I think the other thing that impressed me about that was how much God cared for him. Because I think, you know, he would have been all by himself. Um he, he, you know, he had he had a church, but he attended a large church that, you know, he never felt very connected, and um, so you know it it reminded me of, of a couple things. One one is that we need to first of all recognize to hear God's voice. You know, kind of fundamental, um, and then we need to act on these things, these these promptings, because they don't usually come as a trumpet blast. They usually come as a nudge. And so it's easy to just, you know, uh, let's get home, you know, have that kind of uh, attitude. Um, but to respond to it and then to understand the timing was, was so phenomenal. I mean, just that it was right then when yeah. she died, that we were coming through, it was right ahead of us, that we were there when he got the call and that 
God loved and cared for him, you know, that much that he, you know, you know, I don't know whether I can understand the mysteries of God to know just that everything worked out the way it did, but it did. Yeah. And, and that we were able to be there with him and spend that time together and, and really help to kind of comfort him in his loss. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I think the thing for me is, you know, continuing to recognize God's voice and, and trust that even when we don't know or see that God's still at work and, you know, can use these times to, mm-hmm. to yeah, do what he wants to do in our lives and in others. Yeah. Crazy thing, too, about the timing is if he had gotten a call from the hospital before your call, you probably wouldn't have taken your call. Exactly. <laughs> no, you're right. You're exactly right. I didn't even thought about that. And, and especially, you know, I don't know him, but what you've described about just kind of the situations that he was in, I imagine there may be a part of him that, in hard moments, would default to, like, isolation or withdrawing yeah, within yeah, himself. And yeah. that God That's orchestrated true. it in such a way that it was almost like he had to accept. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It was just the kind of thing that's, like, y'all are here in this parking lot together. And, like, you know, it made it easier for him to embrace that gift. I think it's cool to, so the connecting thread... Um, was just the this theme of how we how easy it is for us to limit um, or underestimate God, and yeah. so like you know good. the first story that um, God can only really work if you are you know really feeling yeah, it. yeah you're feeling it you're in the mode yeah. you know um, the second how you know God can only really work through the adults <laughs> you know yeah, through exactly. people who are older yeah. and then how God can only work in certain contexts, and there are contexts in which are just the filler times, like driving from point A to point B. Yeah. Like, it's, you just got to get home. It's been a long trip. Like, But how every moment can be a moment for God to show himself if we just, like you said, learn to listen and learn to follow that nudge. You know, God really shows up just in the mundane, mundane things of life. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I, I think that that's where we have to learn to, you know, expect him to show up and and um, uh, recognize, you know, recognize the moment, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in the first story, I don't know that I recognized any moment. You know, it was just just doing what I thought. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're supposed to be doing what I was supposed to be doing. And it's only after the fact that I recognized or saw that, you know, God was um, behind it all, orchestrating things. And, and as you pointed out, you know, years before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was just uh, able to be a recipient of, of that particular uh, experience. But, um, yeah. yeah. Well, it's cool, too. One thing I was thinking about recently, and I don't remember what the thoughts exactly were, but it's this idea of, oh, um, I was thinking of, I was reflecting on just this season of unemployment, and one specific moment in the story prior to losing my job where I, like, it was very clear that God had worked, and um, and another person was part of that, and I was uh, talking with her unplanned, we just saw each other and sat down and, like, I say sharp, but she ended up talking about that moment and how that was very important 
remember what God was doing in her life. And the ways that we were impacted by this same thing were different and independent. And yet, like, God was working in this way in a multitude of ways that I only know the way he's functioning in me, but meanwhile. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's incredible to think that this complex God, like, we could sit here and record uh, a singular story from a singular perspective and it'd be, like, amazing and yet God is so big and powerful and amazing himself that this is one of many stories. Like this, the man who was saved, like he, yeah. th- what are, I wonder what his stories are. And then he's in a place of authority. And so how did his version of the story of standing up and hearing, you know, and now as he's leading, how is that impacting the people that he is leading and how are their stories? And so... It's just beautiful to think that something we often might see is, I guess that that's another way that we limit God is we, we think of our singular stories um, and celebrate them, but don't realize like God may be doing yeah. so much more above and beyond right. yeah. <laughs> even just us and fixing the thing. Um, and we may never know. And that's how great God is. He doesn't even need us to know. He doesn't, you know, like, right. Well, you know, one detail I just now thought about concerning uh, Olesamanga, and that is that he was the only adult, along with probably eight or ten children, and that in itself could have been a deterrent for him to step forward, Mm. you know, that as a leader, that he was coming up with children, but there he was as a chief, Mm -hmm. uh, as a leader, amongst children responding to the gospel. I mean, it, it, it was really impactive just to see this tall Maasai man, you know, along with children, you know, naked little children around him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that really showed the humility of his heart as well, you yeah. know, that, that this was really a genuine experience. Yeah. I was going to mention something else. This is not as much of a, it's not really a story. It's really a scriptural reference that mm-hmm. I... I really appreciate um, what you're doing with stories, um, and I've used this in the DBS when I've taught in the um, section of Joshua, Judge, and jo- Joshua and Judges, and that is the beginning of Joshua, It when they cross over the Jordan uh, to go into the Promised Land, um, it, it says that when they, they went through the 12 of the... Um, uh, well, the, each of the 12 tribes sent men to go pick up big stones and bring them back and build an altar. And I really believe that, you know, an altar like this is very similar to what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. that our stories, you know, it's a reminder. It's a reminder of what God has done. It, it's, it's to say, when I see that, I'm going to remember that God took us through the Jordan that he he worked a miracle. I mean, this was, you know, an amazing miracle that this whole group went through the Jordan. You know, they had already gone through the Red Sea under Moses, but now mm-hmm. it's a new leadership. And it's like, will God do this for, for me? Will God do this for us? Is he still faithful in the same way? Um, and, and the, you know, stone altar to me is a reminder uh, that... It's like our stories, and we need to build stories for our children to remember because it's like family altars or family memories that point to the faithfulness of God. Mm -hmm. And 
I think it's not only important for us to remember, uh, but it's also important for us as parents and within families to remember what God has done. Mm -hmm. Because we too easily um, go through one crisis, see God work, see God's provision, and then we're off and running down the, down the road. <laughs> Rather than saying, you know what, God was faithful then, he'll be faithful in the future. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. I, th I think stories are, well, certainly they're part of, uh, the Bible's a story. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, I think what's so important about it too is it, it shifts our, I always feel, <laughs> there, there's a rhyme that comes in my head that I always like, part of me is like, yeah, that's good. And part of me is like, oh, that's cheesy. But um, it's like it shifts our focus from uh, like the thing to the king, right? Like mm -hmm. this idea that, you know, for them to not set up that um, altar of stones, then they could have just celebrated the thing that they were able to cross, which was big. It was mm -hmm. important. But that wasn't what was like it, God could have worked in any number of ways. What wasn't what was more important than the thing that happened was that they had an opportunity to see that God was with them and that God was powerful and that God was working. Um, and yeah. when we look at scripture and see the times that somebody was just focused on the thing that lasts only as long as their memory lasts. Um, and you know, the Israelites, that's their story, right? They experience God in a big way. They don't remember. And then eventually they take on other gods because they're pursuing things, maybe an idea of a God versus the real God. There's another one. I, I love that passage. And then I want to say it's first Samuel nine, um, is, uh, a similar one where Samuel is telling the Israelites that they need to come back to God. They had been, uh, captured by the, uh, the Philistines, I think. And, um, they, you know, God had freedom, but they realized they needed to come back to God. So they go to Mizpah and, they ask Samuel to help them just pray and cry out to God. So here they are, all the Israelis, Mizpah with Samuel. And then suddenly they hear, you know, the drums and the shouts and, the, you know, the Philistines are coming. Oh, yeah. You know, it's in this feeling of we're trying to see God, like things are supposed to be good now. And now the army's coming against us. Samuel, pray harder. And he prays harder. And it doesn't, the army doesn't stop. They come closer and they yeah. pray and pray until finally, you know, they're surrounded. And... And it's in that moment uh, that it says, and then God thundered and threw them into confusion and the army was destroyed. Oh, yeah. And uh, and then after, um, you know, that's where it says, um, God tells Samuel to create an Ebenezer, you know, so, so that they can remember what he had done. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I know for me, that's what God's been pushing is this idea that you know, scripture is full of this command to remember, to remember, to remember. And God even gives us ways to remember. And we always, we so often approach it like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll remember. And then how many moments, like in our lives, we've experienced God so much. But if like somebody told us, hey, can you list out all the times? We'd have major gaps mm -hmm. because we failed to take, to stop and to create something, to remember, to create a way mm -hmm. to honor and celebrate what God had done. And so... Yeah, it's just realizing just how vital it is, um, one, for us, but two, because ultimately all of this, what it needs to point to is honoring God. Right, right. You know, there's another scripture, actually, I think it's in the uh, first part of the second chapter of Judges, and it's really what you're talking about here, because it says, 
after Joshua and the rest of the elders died, there arose another generation that did not know the ways of God. Mm-hmm. And basically they fall away uh, at that point. And, you know, it, it seems like, okay, this is, this is the watershed point because through the book of Joshua, we're seeing faithfulness, we're seeing God work, we're seeing God, you know, prove himself over and over and over again. But it was always um, when the people obeyed, they saw God at work and they obeyed. Um, and then we see this change where um, Joshua passes away, uh, the elders with him pass away, and then you have another generation that does not know the great things that God has done. And I've oftentimes wondered, why, why is it that they would not have known? What, what is happening here that they would have um, seem, seemingly fallen away from knowing that God is their God and their you know, called to faithfulness and to covenant. And, um, you know, I think in part it, it comes back to not only hearing stories, but also being a part of a story. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we can hear stories and we need to hear stories, but we have to also uh, be a part of a story where we ourselves mm-hmm. experience God at work in our lives. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think stories are a big, a big part of actually... Um, spiritual development and, and uh, passing faith generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, bless these stories. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you will run and dance through the streets, shouting praise to the one. You're healed, you're clean. Go out, tell the people what you've seen. Revived in him, new life in him. 1 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 25, says this, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Look, if right now you are feeling foolish, if you are feeling weak, If you're feeling like you are nothing, but if you are seeking to follow God, God is your wisdom. God is your strength. God gives you value. And you don't have to prove anything. You don't have to muster the strength. You just need to trust that God can work through you. And he already is. Because it's not about what you can do. It says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Look, think of some of your favorite biblical stories, and more often than not, that person epitomized some of those things that 1 Corinthians hit. Somebody that was weak, someone that wasn't wise, someone that wasn't regarded with high esteem. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. 
because God knows the more that we are boasting in ourselves, the more that we are reliant and confident in ourselves, the less we seek Him. And what He wants more than anything else is for us to realize how we were rightly designed and made to seek Him, to honor Him, not because He is this greedy God, but because He knows that that is what we are created for. And that outside of that, we cannot function fully. We cannot function rightly. So, you have an opportunity today to embrace who God has created you to be, no matter where you are, no matter how you feel, no matter how spiritual you feel. Right now, today, you can say, God, here I am. Send me. God, here I am. Work through me. God, I don't even know what you're trying to do, but I am ready. And then trust that God hears that prayer. And don't look for everything to suddenly work out. Don't look for everything to suddenly become clear. But trust that God is working, even if you can't see it, even if you don't understand it. And do this not so that you can be a better Christian and thus boast in yourself. Do this because the God of the universe is inviting you into it and you can glorify him through this. And as you go forward, ask yourself, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash Where Did You See God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group, and you will love listening to the rest of the music, so check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?